0: The past couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks, we're hearing stories of healing and stories of exorcism, and all of these stories are a response to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus proclaims that the kingdom of God has come near. So all of these stories are consequences of what happens when the kingdom of God draws near, and the world is reordered in some fundamental way. I've been thinking about exorcism, and it's occurred to me that I've always thought of exorcism as being about an individual who somehow, some poor malign soul got invaded by some demonic force, and Jesus needed to fix it, and similarly healing, something is wrong, and Jesus needs to fix it. But I started wondering, what if the demon-possessed one is simply the bearer of the symptoms of a crowd? The bearer of the symptoms of groupthink, the one who is possessed and tormented and scapegoated and cast out, is simply the bearer of the thinking of a group. After Sage and I married, we went to London, and a friend of mine, who is a barrister at the criminal bar, invited us to come to the Old Bailey, the Central Criminal Court in London, and listen to him finish up examining witnesses in a murder trial, of which he was the prosecutor, and he told us there were four defendants in this murder trial, and each of them had their own team of wigs and gowns and lawyers everywhere in this courtroom. And, he, and Edward told us that uh, in English law, they didn't have to figure out exactly which one did the killing. They could charge all of them. They could charge the group, the gang, with murder. They had apparently bludgeoned someone to death. And in and English law, if they were present... And engaged, then they were responsible just as if they had pulled the trigger. And I thought that was interesting. It's a, you can prosecute the mob. You can prosecute the gang. Some of, some of you have read a book I've been reading called People of the Book by Geraldine Brooks. And it's inspired by the story of the discovery uh, of the Sarajevo Hagada, the Jewish Passover book beautifully illustrated that was saved through the Bosnian conflict by Muslims. And restored to the Jews following that war. And and in the story we see over and over and over how the Jews bear the the anxiety of society and how, how society manages by scapegoating and, and calling Jews outcasts and edicts that mean they are subhuman and, and smelly and dirty and all of these things that get said of them throughout history. And in the book it becomes so clear that the, the group think Needs somehow needs to create an outcast, to create someone who is other, someone who is might as well be possessed. And it happens just as well in this novel in silence. There's a woman who is shot by a sniper, and she struggles to get her her child to the safety of a wall, and nobody around about goes to help her because they're, including the UN peacekeepers, because they are so scared of getting involved. What happens when groupthink creates outsiders, creates those who might as well be possessed of demons? And this story of Jesus casting out demons is not just then about fixing an individual, something we all want. When someone's sick, we want healing. When someone's possessed, we want the demons cast out. But Jesus says, no, it's not about fixing the individual. It's about reordering the society, so that you don't have to create victims, so you don't have to create outcasts in order to know who you are. You don't have to have those possessed of the symptoms of the anxiety of the society at large. And so Jesus is about much more than fixing an individual. It's about transformation And showing another way, a way that says you don't have to blame people, you don't have to accuse people, you don't have to create the other, you don't have to blame people for their own suffering. Instead, say no, there's a new way and it's the way of life that is being unveiled over against the way of violence and separation and degradation. But there's a little more to this story because we also have this business of Jesus going off to a deserted place to pray. And nine times out of ten, you hear a sermon about that, and the answer is, so we all ought to go and find the deserted place to pray. Well, there's nothing wrong with prayer in deserted places, but that's not entirely what's going on in this story. Because what's going on in this story is he's showing we're being shown how easy it is to become people who create victims, even when we think we're trying not to. Think about how often the church, religious institutions have been indefensible in their creation of victims. Have you ever tried to talk to a friend and they say, well, what about the Crusades? Or "Or what about the Inquisition? Wasn't that just doing violence in the name of religion? Or what about all of the times when Jews have been declared dirty by the church? Or what about today? Think about Proposition 8 and the Defense of Marriage Acts all over the country. Regardless of your opinion about the outcome, that's a religious thing, that is being fueled by religious money to say there is a group who are beyond the pale, who are cast out, who are scapegoated, who are subhuman, who are dirty. Now, that's indefensible, and it's religion doing it. Now, how do we get to that? Well, it's very simple, and it's very subtle, and it affects all of us. Do you hear when the disciples come to Jesus a little bit of reproach? Where were you? Everyone's looking for you. If only you'd been here. Look, there's lots of people who need healing. Lots of people who need demons cast out. (laughs) And suddenly, it's Jesus' friends who are kind of beginning to blame, beginning to accuse. Think about when Jesus arrived at his friend Lazarus' death. If you'd been here, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. It's so easy to start blaming our friends. I do it. I I hear it in myself. The Archbishop of Canterbury, if he would just act and show some decisive leadership, you know, then suddenly all of our problems would be fixed. And I still want that sick baby to be healed. And I still want that bearer of the symptoms of society's anxiety to be freed. And I'd like Jesus to do it. But Jesus says to his disciples, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to go on and proclaim the gospel, proclaim that the kingdom is near in other towns and ask for transformation and open a new way of being, a way that allows all of us to live more freely and more generously and more hopefully and more alive without having to create victims and scapegoats and otherness and separation and degradation So how do we as the people of God claim this gospel? How do we live in the way that is transformed? Brothers and sisters, we're in an anxious, anxious world at the moment. We can share one another's joys and we can share one another's sorrows, and this community knows joy and sorrow every week. And we can do it in a way that doesn't create victims. But how do we avoid that subtle, subtle, subtle beginning of creating otherness by blaming and accusing. And maybe it is by imitating Jesus after all. Maybe it is by finding a deserted place and in prayer remembering who we are and how we are beloved of God. And then doing what they do in the gospel, gathering in the synagogues, gathering here around the table and remembering what is of true and ultimate worth and what really matters. And what really matters is that every one of us is provided what we need. Every one of us is beloved. Every one of us can live generously and freely and hopefully. And then doing what Jesus and his disciples do after that, they go out and they get about the work of casting out demons, of transforming the society they live in by being different, by living differently, by claiming a new and hopeful way where none of us have to be trapped and degraded and put down and where all of us can know the gifts of love that free us to be generous and hopeful and alive. So let us, as ever, respond to the gospel with a certain amount of urgency today in prayer that we may go into a hurting world and share in the work we've all been given to do to love and serve all who God has made. In silence, let us pray.